0: Good night, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross.
1: All right, I'm going to say right up front that obviously this it booted me out just a second ago and then just brought me back oh. in, I think. Can everybody hear me? Are we all here?
0: Yes. Yeah. Are oh uh, right. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. okay.
1: Okay. I'm sorry about that. That's it. Okay. Sure. Anyway. All right. We're all here. We're live, apparently, <laughs> allegedly.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. Um First thing first, we would like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Uh, We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne, and thank you for joining us. Uh, Before we introduce tonight's guest, which I kind of already did, I guess, but (laughs) before we get into that, I'm going to turn it over to my partner in crime, Tamara Thorne, who's going to tell you a little bit about our new collaboration, Spite House.
2: First of all, it's a great title. But but here's what we that wrote is. when we were in a very purple Oh thanks we were in a very purple mood when we wrote this up, so um I'm going to read it as purple as possible. Snapdragon right. Lake, long and deep, hides in the high forest of California's gold country. A famously haunted private island rises from the mists at the distant end of the lake. It is home to a notoriously evil old mansion the locals call Spite House. Wealthy heiress uh, Emily Manchester, let me change her name, uh, wants to clear the (laughs) island's nefarious name before she donates it to a charitable organization dear to her heart. To that end, she's invited a dozen writers to stay at the house to contribute to an anthology of fact and fiction about her ancestors' deeds and misdeeds about the alleged ghosts and other tales oft-told. By night, the authors dine on gourmet food and relax with their hostess as they swap ghost stories and alternative histories. By day, they write or explore the island, the old zoo, even the closed-off wing, which comprised the Manchester Grand Hotel, a famous Gilded Age spa and resort, now full of nothing but shadows and mystery. Wind chimes make music on a windless night. Strange ghostly figures flicker in and out of sight. Weird calls echo through the forest. The guests at Spite House are intrigued, wondering how much is for show and how much might be real. As a huge storm brews, cutting them off from civilization, they aren't terribly worried. After all, they have food, drink, good company, and work to do. They have their own imaginations to keep them occupied. That is, until the murders begin. Then no one is safe, and no life is sacred. Da da da. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's what we're working we're on. We're having now. a blast. Oh, there you go. We are. There you go. Yeah. All right.
1: And speaking of murder, mayhem, and the macabre, our guest tonight, Richard Christian Matheson, is an acclaimed best-selling author and screenwriter, executive producer for television and film. He has worked with Steven Spielberg, Stephen King, Dean Kuntz, Brian Singer, and many others on Emmy-winning miniseries, feature films, and hit series. His critically-held dark psychological fiction has appeared in 125 major anthologies, including many years' best volumes. Sixty stories are collected in Scars and other distinguishing marks, and the number one bestseller, Dystopia. Matheson's terror novel, Created By, is a scathing glimpse of network television, and, the mystery, and his mystery novella, The Ritual of Illusion, is a sinister love letter to the movies, he is president of Matheson Entertainment. Uh, we are pleased to have you back. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thank
0: you, guys. Welcome. Nice to be here. We're there. Ah, we
2: love that. Isn't movie. it, though? Yeah. As, <laughs> as, yeah. as
1: long as it doesn't cut us out. I'm sorry about the beginning. I don't know what was going on with that. That yeah. was really weird. Yeah. It, just, it was like all of a sudden waiting for host. Didn't hear and I'm like, it, but I'm right here. I don't know what's
0: going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: It, it didn't sound like anything at this end. Very yeah, okay, good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it worked then.
2: Yeah, Jupiter's in Uranus or something that's supposed to screw up communication. I be. don't know how that works though. Yes. <laughs> oh. <So. laughs>
1: All right. So, so in let's... your in your bio, um, we mentioned that dystopia was number one on Amazon's top 100 horror collections and. Apparently, it has hit number one twice. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that. Um, tell us about what Dystopia is, and let's talk about how cool it is to be number one. <laughs>
0: uh, it's 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 a col- it was a collection at the time of what I'd you know what I'd published so far in my short fiction. Um, since Dystopia, I've, I've there's uh, I have another collection that came out, which is my third one, uh, which is called Zupraxis. And um, there were 60 stories in dystopia uh, of all kinds. I mean, everything, you know, all my different styles and, and different tonalities and all that kind of stuff. So that that's basically, um, uh, you know, it, it captured everything that I'd been up to by that point anyway. And so... With uh, joining that together with the new stuff in Zoopraxis and then some stuff I published since since Zupraxis, um, you know, I'm shooting for what will be a kind of a larger collection of everything. Wonderful. Right,
2: right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we're always curious. Um, we both have a really hard time with short stories. You do novels. Uh-huh. You do screenplays. You do short stories. Do you do you find short stories to be? Unusually and surprisingly difficult, like we do.
0: I don't. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm reading. I won't name the author, but a, a very, very well-known author that somebody approached me about doing something, uh, you know, adapting something. And I, in reading it, um, I'm, i what I see is a tendency toward describing everything. Um and describing it well. It's not, it's not a matter of, of being um, you know, inelegant or anything like that, but it's very thorough. And um, right. my mind my mind tends to uh be more I guess what you would call either reductionistic without, you know, just sort of going to the I'm I'm not looking to go to the bottom line. I, I, I think that that can just <laughs> sort of uh take you too quickly away from things that have substance and that resonate. But I, I am uninterested in a good many of the details that I think are distracting, at least from you know from my perspective, and so that's very helpful. It, it helps you number one to recognize how an idea can be a short story, and you and to understand how much you have to say, how much of it has to be included, how much of it has to be represented to get the idea across. What is it about? When you say right. you have difficulty with with a short story, what is it about it that you find difficult? And uh, they, well,
2: we just we, yeah we tend we're character to, we tend to writers both, and they take over yeah. Tend,
1: yeah yeah we tend to go long. We we've tried on multiple occasions to sit down and do a short story, and it just turns into the, it just kind of blooms and turns into this this. Yeah, I think it's because, to be honest, I think you're right. I think it it is because we enjoy like the description, and that's. That would be, I think, really hard for me to, to leave out. To just kind of, and mm-hmm. yet when I'm reading a short story, when I'm reading a good short story, I don't feel that there's anything missing. Right. It's just that it it it's I. We tend to write long. We cut when we, like say when we do a, a, a novel, we cut. We've cut up to I think the most was about forty thousand words or something. We that we cut yeah, out the first time go, out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still so one hundred thirty
2: thousand words,
1: too. <laughs> yeah, we write long, and then we just chop. We chop the hell out of it. So, yeah, our initial yeah. Um, plan when and we started again was just to do was to just do a, a, short a short story to see how it worked out. Yeah,
0: and it, I it turned into look. a novel. And it worked no, no, out no. fine. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, it's, it, they're, they're, they are two different things. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and is trying to I mean there are long short stories I mean it's yeah it's and then there are the really the really the really brief ones but um, I was asked by this guy who had who had taught short story writing um, how I was able to do it because he he was struck again and again by how few words you know were really were really being used and, and that it was and that it was working and I said I hadn't really thought about it and then I thought, well, my father always said to me, in a good piece of fiction, the reader does half the work. So what that says to me is that you can do 50 percent less than most, much of what is is published, and the reader will still comp- not only comprehend but participate. So using that equation, when I write short stories, um, I I look for the the um, uh, the it's kind of a sweet spot between w- what I'm saying and what the reader is going to, and what is going to evoke it for the reader. So I'm not trying to explain, I'm trying to evoke. And they're not the same thing.
1: Right. Right. Interesting. I like that. That's cool. That's
0: Very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've they're, actually they really we are use very your different.
2: short stories. They're very different. We use your short stories to uh, instruct we do. ourselves. We do. You're, we, you're so good at description, it's different. Yeah, you describe it, Alistair. You you just do it differently, and we yeah. like that. Well, we, unusual.
1: we have we have kind of a you know um, a few you know we have some writers that we really kind of study their work. You're one of them. You you and mm-hmm. when you said you evoke rather than explain, that actually makes it make perfect sense. Yeah. Can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but in you know a couple words, um, you'll you, you'll be putting a picture that doesn't need to be yeah. explained. Yeah. And and we we strive to do that. It's it's fantastic. I mean, we've all read those books, where for example, one thing that that is difficult uh, for me is, um, when people over-explain their characters. It's like he, I, I want to be able to kind of see them the way I see them. Um, I don't need to know the exact shape and size of their nose, their lips, their eyes, their cheekbones. Their you know what I mean?
2: You, yeah, you sure. Could, if
1: you wanted to say a guy, if you wanted to say a guy was you know. Really handsome, you could you know sum that up really easy. Or a woman was beautiful, you can sum that up a lot easier than that. But you have a very vivid way of doing it, and it's it's always struck us, and and we refer to it often. It's it's very impressive. So
2: good
0: work. Thank you. you inspire I can also I think also writing scripts um, has been influential in my style. Um, you know, a movie script has to be really no more than 100 pages. That's for an hour and a half movie. Um, right. a movie. A one-hour episode should be probably 50 to no more than 60 pages. And you have to have everything, you've got to get everything across. And um, one of the things that I prefer to do when describing characters is not, is not describe ex, really so much fixate on their physicality, but, but rather what's in their heart that there is that they might even have a pleasant smile but there is you know we we detect something sinister that's all you need to say um it's, yeah. it, it 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 is amazing to me and the, you know the story that for me really was so um definitive about the, in this very thing that we're talking about was my story vampire where every sentence was one word long and it wasn't a poem and it wasn't a deliberately kind of uh, avant-garde experiment or anything. I just began to, to understand it in such a way, because it was originally a 12-page story. And I began, I was in this kind of unmerciful state of editing, and I just sort of thought, well, you know, I'm going to really go all the way here. And I did, and it still comes across. And I sent it to, uh, it was for an anthology Dennis Etchison was editing, and I thought, well, I don't know, maybe he'll get it. Maybe he got it immediately, immediately. So what does that tell us? It tells us that if you find the right words, not how many words, but the right words, you will trigger a a kind of a very fully bloomed, to use your word about how, how stories can bloom, the blooming occurs in the reader's mind and so it's right. it's being in a here's a word it's being kind of catalytic in the writing as opposed to descriptive
1: yeah and mm-hmm. there are a lot of you know really good writers out there but but there are a few who really know how to fully uh command the language um and you're you're one of them and i'm i'm curious about was this, of course, your your father was Richard Matheson, the author of Hell House, so you know he he you know obviously was an influence. But do you think this is something that you were born with? I, I know that sounds cheesy, <laughs> but I mean really, it's you, there's a certain there seems to be an inherent uh, talent.
0: It's hard to say. You know, um, it, it's it's more tempting to observe it when you have a parent that has a talent and that you do the same thing. It's you know you have to entertain. A genetic origin, uh, you know. Certainly, with all of what we're mm-hmm. learning about genetic stuff, all the testing that people are doing now, it's it, it's much more um, kind of available to all of us. And uh, I, re- you know, Bill Nolan has been a family f- friend forever, and he I, I was just just down in L.A. and we were visiting, and he was remembering when I was a little boy that I had this just lavish, phenomenal vocabulary, <laughs> and so I think I loved words certainly. <laughs> But I will say that when I, after my father passed away, we were looking through some of his, his files, um, and I found a story he had never published, and there was a description in it, and I'd never seen it before, and there was a description in it that was almost, almost identical to a description that I had in one of my short stories. And I thought, well, either I heard him... Yeah, it was interesting. I thought, well, either he, he had spoken about the story, maybe around the dinner table, to my mother or something like that and I picked it up even though I was little but he never really talked about his work and I yeah. I think rather it was that there was some kind of some kind of rhythm some kind of um some kind of way that he went about things and he was a very he was a minimalist in his writing i mean he could he could for fun he could he could really you know go deliberately operatic for for an effect but he was he was really a minimalist in his approach and I think with him, <clears throat> pardon me. I think script writing, which was a huge part of his career, uh, also exerted that influence.
1: Right, right, yeah. Now, but talent. Talent
0: is the great. Talent is the great question mark. Who, who, where does it come from? What is it? Exactly. As determined by who? You know, it's it's uh, it's exactly. a curious part of, of being in the uh, being in the artistic community.
1: Exactly. I'm curious about um, other members of your family. Have you have you noticed, like, I have, I found out, uh, I always had um, a word thing, too, and my family would say, I don't know where he gets that from, and they found um, poets and writers back, you know, in my ancestry. But the interesting thing is on the other end of the spectrum, there is also a lot of um, language, like like dyslexia, and it, it, I wonder if they go together. Like if maybe, do you have any uh, in your family? Is is there any uh, language problems as well as, you know what I'm saying?
0: I do, and we don't. But one of my great my my television mentor was Stephen J. Cannell, um, mm-hmm. who I ended up you know I was a writer producer for his company for you know about 6 7 years and did all the shows and we got to know each other and he had dyslexia um and <clears throat> so for him to um to somehow maneuver with language was very tricky and it made him sort of the way people who are who have stutters they find right. different ways to say things. I had a friend that had a stutter, and he was remarkably quick on his feet. He was a writer, in finding an alternative way to say something. So if he was stuck on the word, you know, whatever, he would, he would find very quickly something that was synonymous. And right. I think you learn, you know, you, you become greater than the thing that holds you back. Um, and uh, with, with dyslexia, um, it was so specific and and language, Um, and then as he, you know, he could, dialogue was different, he could just spitball dialogue, but he began to write novels, and it became more, it became more uh, of an immediate challenge, Uh, so he learned how to not just coexist with it, but kind of um, find a different way to master it. Right, right, interesting. Yeah. But in my family, no, we're we're no, there's not there's nothing like that.
1: Interesting. I also wonder mm-hmm. one more thing uh, on this topic. Do to you? Are you? This is just out of curiosity. Are you good at math? No. Me neither. Not
0: really. Oh,
1: I'm I, good. I'm, I, good, I'm, I'm at. good
0: at the at the very basic stuff. I mean, I I can I can that I can do. I can add things in my head and I can do all that kind of stuff. But the minute it mm-hmm. moved into anything that to me seemed less for my thinking, it seemed more mysteriously asequent, non-sequential, and kind of abstract, mm-hmm. like like algebra, like trigonometry. Oh. Um, right, right. Yeah. No, I was not. I I didn't feel any kind. I would. I, I felt very out of sync.
1: Yeah, that's wow. uh, that's an interesting thing that I've, that yeah. I've uh, observation that I've made, not only in myself mm-hmm. but in in a lot of other writers. It's almost like there has to be, uh, I don't know, a, a balance. It's almost a and trade-off for me. Yeah yeah a trade off and for me and it seems like a lot of writers it's it's math because yeah i was i was the same way i i couldn't i never got less than an a on the spelling tests i had you know got good grades in english yeah but as soon as we started getting into even basic division, I was completely lost completely other
0: format it's a different format it uh, is my mother yeah. you know was shrink and as she was going for her doctorate part of the the training part of the Part of the, um, the academic requirements includes statistics, which really has nothing to do with sitting with somebody once you're a, you know, an actual therapist and you're sitting with somebody in a room. It's far more about empathy, and it's far more about having a kind of wisdom about life. Uh, and it, it almost derailed her because she had such a hard time with statistics. Um so right. I think you're right. It's I, I don't know I, I, I don't get together with any of my writer friends and, and talk about math.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. We're <laughs> music though.
0: So. We don't get together into music. Together. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the only way I understand math is musically. it it, it translates and numbers and music go together to me, but that's the only thing I understand. Do you find that true?
0: Well, with drumming uh, I've been a drummer my whole life. I started when when I was a kid, you know I was probably eight or nine and um I just just finished a couple of albums as a matter of fact and the it it is there's something highly sequential um about uh, drumming i mean you starting with you know you have to always know where one is, no matter the kind of whatever kind mm-hmm. of drummer you are, whether you're an improvisational jazz drummer. Or like the guy I studied with, Ginger Baker, who's more, his style was more uh-huh. geometrical, geometric. You know, the 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 fills mm-hmm. had a more sort of squarish quality to them. They were not so curved. They were uh-huh. not, uh, They didn't curve as much. They were more um, geometric. Um, but no matter which way you play, you always have to know where one is, and you always have to have. You have only so much time in a fill, and um, uh, to get yourself back to one so it's a very very internally um, time oriented and to some degree i suppose you could you could make the analogy mathematically oriented in that sense so i feel yeah. it i feel it but i don't think that way i just feel it i have right. a very i i have an actually a, a highly sequential highly logic based i think thought process in many ways um mm-hmm. And the drumming is very comfortable. It's interesting to me too that how many of the comedy writers I know, and I mean, and stand-up comedians are drummers. Um, so, so there's a, yeah. you know, uh, with in humor, yeah, and jokes specifically, um, they are very clearly rhythmic. Yeah,
2: yeah. this yeah. all that makes perfect, nice perfect sense.
1: Mm-hmm. It really all does. It. It's fascinating. It
0: really. Yeah. Is. And, you know, the other you thing that happened was as we were. Uh, expected to master anything along the lines of math or even just get a passing grade you could buy a calculator for you know $25 and you can't buy a calculator that tells you how to write but you you can buy you you, you know there are there are tools I remember I had a I had a science teacher and he refused to make us remember and test us on the periodic chart of the elements of which there were, I don't know, 100? Uh-huh. There were a lot of them. And, he, and his reasoning yes. was, there's, if you go into science, there's not a lab in the world you'll go into that does not have a periodic chart of the elements up on the wall. Sure. So let's, so yeah. let's not worry about it, which I thought was very, you know, very practical.
2: That really right. is. And now, before we get too far away mem- from this well, subject... Yeah, ours made us memorize, but he used Tom Lehrer's The Element Song, so it was Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I was just going to say Before we get too far away from the subject of music um, Your band, Pearly King and the Temple Thieves Has a new album out
0: Yeah so Yeah, I'm actually tell us a little I'm, going, bit about I'm that. just going into I'm going in We're we're doing the last phase of an album Which is called Mastering um, Where everything's been recorded Everything's been engineered Everything, you know, you're done uh, And the, there's this last kind of wizard pass by a person who masters it, and and just kind of—it's not even e- uh, e- uh, creating an EQ um, balance to it. It's 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 just sort of getting the best out of each song. Um, so we're there, and then the album, the physical album, should be out in about—I would think—in the next month and a half or so.
1: Nice, nice. Is it? Uh, what is, I hear the music industry these days is pretty. Uh, Messy, uh, do you do a lot of? Uh, I you said that you were doing a physical album. I think that's cool. Uh, do you do a lot of just like downloadable stuff too? How does it even work these days? I don't even know.
0: I don't think there's much of the music industry remaining. Um, I think it's been balkanized yeah. into independent labels, which many of which are struggling, or defunct, um, and the larger, the larger companies we you know we grew up with. Um, uh, are uh, are really have just been trounced by um, the internet. Have been trounced by downloads, um, and it's uh, it's no longer a world anybody wants to be in. I mean, I, a friend of mine has a very very accomplished band, and they were going to be signed by. One of the big labels, and his attorney said the worst thing you can do when you're a young band is be signed by a big label because you ha- you are you already are financially indebted, um, and you can create your own album at home for you know or just in a nice quiet space that's comfortable. You can create mm-hmm. your own album that's going to be every bit as good as uh, in terms of just the sheer um elements of it acoustically you know in terms of the the quality of it it would be comparable to Sgt Pepper and you could do that in your living room mm. uh, so technology right. technology favors the creative not the corporate right now
1: yeah yeah well it's the same kind of deal in the uh, publishing industry really
0: absolutely it's very it's it's a, it's an absolutely um similar thing and um you know I have friends that have made films or so little money it would just it, you know it, it stuns people. And you couldn't have done that twenty five years ago because the equipment no. just did not allow for it. And there was no internet. I mean how long has the internet been up and running? It's the greatest distribution system in the world. Yeah. And so if you've got if you're a young band or a young author and you've got a you've got a novel, you've got an album, um, if you if you distribute it taking full advantage of the internet, you you don't really need. What does a publisher do for you anymore? What does a record company do for you anymore? With publishing, right. they don't. They don't support mm-hmm. their authors. They don't put the money into the authors. The typical boilerplate deal for an author tends to be six percent against ninety-four percent, which is absurd. Right. I mean, there's no, but no, there's no other deal any of us would make in our lives that would be acceptable. Right. Where that would be acceptable. And they don't really bring anything to the party anymore. Hardly anything. They
1: they don't. We we have this kind of pact, and this is what we live by. When when we're approached by by publishers, we we find out. Well, what is it that you do? What yeah. can you do for us that we can't do for ourselves? And yeah. invariably, the question is nothing.
0: Well, well there is and one thing they can do. They can take ninety four percent of your money. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I I don't I don't understand it, but it is what it is, and I think it's it's uh I think it's good because I think that this is a a kind of cool time to be because the the uh, mm-hmm. the, the ball is in the artist's court.
0: Yes, it also exactly. forces it. It does. It, there's also two side effects. One is that it forces um, artists to legitimately produce that which they may have not because they were feeling thwarted by. Either a record company or a publisher, so they had they had a right. handy fall guy. There's no fall guy now, and the other thing, of course, is it's it is an invitation for an enormous uh, wave of mediocrity. Right, it's total sense. That's
1: true. <laughs> Uh, before we go on, um, I'm going to just take a minute to just remind everybody that uh, this is Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarathorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at ThornAndCross.wordpress.com. or if you tweet, you can find us at at and at You can also visit us on Facebook on our Haunted Nights Live page. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at AuthorsOnTheAir.com. If you're listening online, please click the follow button. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. All right, and we are here with Richard Christian Matheson, who's got a lot going on, which we're going to get into. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about... uh, Tamara, you you and uh, Richard, you guys know each other. You guys have met. Uh, let's, how did you guys meet? I'm sure I asked this before, but I'm going to ask again.
2: Um, Quin, Chelsea Quinarro is a mutual friend, and we all went to dinner together.
0: Right. So, nice. I think she that's, was in, she was in town. <laughs>
2: I, I, was she in town for yeah. a convention? Um, she was doing a book signing. Uh, yeah that uh your dark dangerous visions i'm showing my age too uh dark delicacies
0: (laughs) (laughs) i met quinn a a very long time ago at a convention up in uh monterey i think ah we just struck up a friendship and been friends forever and uh you you know she worked she's a very interesting woman as you know and Mm -hmm. She, uh, I mean, on top of being a tremendously talented writer, but she's also just a very interesting person. and uh, She is. Her time as a palmist, I, I found very interesting.
2: Yes, yeah. at the yeah. Magic Cellar in San Francisco. and Yeah. It, really intriguing. She She's great. I've known her for 25 years, but you've known her a lot longer than that.
0: Uh, I asked her but, one time, why does palmistry work? Uh-huh. She said... Because people leak.
2: Oh, isn't that great?
0: People yeah. leak. <laughs> it's interesting, <laughs> huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: she's very intuitive, and that that makes
0: perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, and she's published, she must be up to 90-plus books now or something. One, I mean,
1: she, she, her I, I, goal was 100. She said when she said, last time we talked to her, she said that when she was like 13, she made yeah. a goal... That she was going to write 100 books, and I think yeah. she just finished
2: she's her 100th book. It.
0: Unbelievable! It's yeah,
2: true. I think she's yeah, yeah. going further now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah so prolific, yeah. amazing, and and so and not just prolific, but yeah. but varied. And it's a very eclectic. Uh, mm-hmm. body oh yeah, she yeah. She even has some yeah. westerns out there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and her <laughs> short <laughs> <history> and short <laughs> fiction,
0: her short fiction is wonderful. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. she can go short or long in a heartbeat. She's Absolutely. she's very good. She's yeah. a great
0: person. Yeah, yeah. We
2: have her on yeah. we're waiting for her new book to come out and she'll be back.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah <laughs> we, Perfect. We
1: love her.
2: Yeah. hmm We do. We have three I'm ways we do that. that. Sounds out. funny all the time.
1: Yeah. I was excited to find out that uh okay, so three o'clock high, this is this is um one of the movies you did and this is I remember this when I was growing up, I loved it. It's coming out <laughs> on Blu ray, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's out. Or out it long
1: is long. out. Yeah.
2: Okay. Ah. And I very see. Cool. It looks like your first story credit was Three's Company way back in seventy eight. You started out actually, young. No way, actually,
0: no you can go. You can actually go earlier than that. There were. Oh really? Uh, yeah. There was a there was a a, a very well known producer named James Comack, and he did a show called Chico and the Man. That was with the late Freddie Prinze. Oh, sure. I yes. think he did Welcome Back, Cotter. It was that that sort of mm-hmm. era. And he did yeah. a show called Another Day, and that was actually the first credit. Oh, wow. Yeah, we that's a
2: long That's
0: before there yeah. was electricity.
2: It, right. Yeah, I remember those days, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and then I saw, this is really interesting. I'm going to have to put the DVD on. Um, you had a cameo in the TV series, The Shining. You were the, the first hit man. I've got to turn that on and see you.
0: Well, as long as you're <laughs> going to devote a microsecond – to my theatrical mm-hmm. career um as okay. an um you can also screen this is on my mind cuz it was just on a couple nights ago shampoo the warm Oh, World. uh-huh i am oh, in, yeah.
2: i am, in, I am in
0: shampoo i am in the sh- i am in shampoo oh. there's a, there's a party sequence at a hollywood uh party mansion
2: uh-huh. and
0: uh i was there and i i i remember oh, it well. yeah we shot for a couple oh, wow. nights and it was right next to Hugh Hefner's house or mansion. Uh, and I guess it was uh-huh. in Holmby Hills, come to think of it. And I remember coming oh. him, you know, him strolling over with his gal at the time, Barbie Benton, and it was just, what an oh, adventure. Yeah. What an adventure. Anyway, you'll see Hello. me. I've got like red, I have a oh, red bandana, hi. and I have like a Sergeant a Pepper bandana. jacket, and my hair is down to my waist or something. I had really long hair. Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: bye, bye. Okay, I'm going to have to it find that and
0: watch it. It will, it will amuse you.
2: Were you even of age at that point? Was I what? Even of age?
0: You yeah, I was mean, trying to remember how old 21? I was. I don't, God, I hope so. Maybe there's, I've got a lawsuit here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. No. So I should look into it. Yeah, I,
0: I, I must have been right around that age. I don't, I don't even 75. remember.
2: 75.
0: Yeah. 75, so, yeah. 75? Shampoo? Yeah.
2: Shampoo with 75? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you were good to go. I'll
0: check it out. You'll see me in there. You know, my mother was very I'm going to. My mother I liked was, that movie. Said, she thought I was the key to the whole movie, you know.
2: Aw. Yeah. <laughs> Red bandana. I'll be looking yes, for that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Without you, the whole <laughs> thing just
0: wouldn't have made any sense, you know.
2: <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I see you read right, some incredible folks. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah that's, Lots that's, of them. That's Actually, okay. the Incredible Hulk movie that that was in Europe. Which, oh. Uh, it completely trounced Alien. It did so well in in Europe. Really? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, and and here's one of my all-time favorite series, Amazing Story. You wrote a few of those.
0: Wrote three of them.
2: Oh, girl. Yeah. Ah. Uh-huh.
0: Wrote three of now them. They and, know that you yeah, wrote two. It was a it was an interesting journey because uh, Spielberg wanted to meet and I remember I was mm-hmm. on vacation with my family and my father had worked with him on Duel, of course, you know. And oh, yeah. I, I remember just, you know, he wanted to get together and I remember thinking, my father and I were chatting and taking a walk and I said, I can't believe he wants to get together because he doesn't like what I did. He must like what I did, <laughs> right? And, my, and, my, and So we were trying uh-huh. to reason out what it was all about because I didn't know what the meeting was about. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had done this script with my friend Tom and so we went in to meet with Stephen and he was so excited about it, he said, I want you guys to take a pass at a film that that we're working on right now called Harry and the Hendersons, and, oh, yeah. right, about Sasquatch, mm-hmm. I guess it was. So yeah, we, right. took a, John we took a pass. Yeah, John mm-hmm. Lithgow. So we did a pass, which he then called us back in. Uh, he was very excited about what we did. And then he said, uh, what else do you guys have? And we had just written this script called After School about a kid that's going to get beat up after school, the bully transfers in, you know. And he, he said, well, you know, when I was a kid, I went through stuff like that. Um, and and the script had already been submitted through our agents to Amblin, and Amblin had passed, and we told him that. And he said, oh, well, he said, I'd like to see it. So he read it that night, and he had just signed a young director out of USC who, who was being really basically groomed to be his protege um, named Phil Giorano. And so Stephen called the next day and he said I want to do it. And oh. then the our agents of course being agents went into the, the great tribal dance and started calling <laughs> everybody in town and suddenly we had offers from every studio in town because uh, Spielberg, you know, once Spielberg wants something, yeah. there, it's, it's got to be great. So right we had to do it with him <laughs> and then we ended up signing a I think a three-picture deal with Amblin.
2: Wow. Oh wow.
0: Yeah, it was a very nice. It's amazing what one script, one script that Steven Spielberg likes, Um, but but it is it is amazing (laughs) in the in the creative world, you know, the right piece of material can change your fate.